If you would have told me that cold showers would become the singular most distinctive factor in my life's work, I never would have believed you. But so they are. My name is James Baxter, co-founder and CEO of Exodus, the makers of Exodus 90. Through our spiritual exercises, men learn to pray practice asceticism or acts of self-denial with the fraternity of other men. And through this formation, they are free to love those that our Lord has entrusted to their care, their wives and children, their parishes and communities. After years of studying philosophy and theology in the seminary, I was called out. And shortly thereafter, a priest I had known from high school shared a formation program with me that he had started years ago. He sent me a Word document of what it entailed and many moving testimonies of the men who had experienced it. Maybe you could figure out how to share this around, he proposed. I wanted to go to business school, but in that moment, and I did not realize it at the time, business school came to me. As I read these testimonies, I wondered what to do. I was 24, with no network, and completely broke. I'd spent my childhood on the golf course and the Adoration Chapel because I was awed. I had squandered my college years in the seminary, and while I had an education, which was a treasure, I had no idea how to make things work. Months later, after committing to the task, I was rejected by yet another prospective donor, and I was taking it personally, like you're not supposed to do but we all do. At least I do. And I lamented to the Lord. God, do you understand how hard it is to start something from nothing? <laughs> James, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. I want to propose from my limited but lived experience that the creation process passes through and continues to pass through three stages. The calling, the model, and the company. The foundation of a Catholic idea, at least one that bears fruit, is a calling. For me, this happened to the invitation I received, participation in the sacramental life of the church, and was confirmed time and time again in silent prayer. When you are vulnerable, and needy, and you are in any beginning, you are in a special place to depend upon grace, to hear his voice, and to respond not perfectly, but as best you can. God can be your father, and Mary can be your mother when you are poor and you call upon them. 
Father, who do, I, who do I need to reach out to? And he answers as a good father. Mother, where am I going to get the next donation? And she answers as a perfect mother. From this contemplative stance, you begin to trust what is happening to you. Servant of God, Luigi Giassani used to say that reality will never betray you. The people, places, and things you meet are the will of God. And even when the events are challenging, they are working perfectly for your greatest good and the greatest good of your idea. The calling stage can be somewhat embarrassing. When you show up to dinner parties and people ask what you do, and you say things like, yeah, I'm trying to free Catholic men. Let me tell you, you get a few glances. I was at a wedding a little over a year ago, and after a basic pitch of what we were working on, someone looked me straight in the eye and asked point blank, is there even a market for that? <laughs> when you start out, you'll meet spirits in the church, only some of which are helpful. People will make pious comments that everything we need has already been done. Fortunately for us, the apostles, martyrs, founders of the great religious orders and ecclesial movements did not believe this. God gave them a task, they relied upon him, and they did it. And I would bet that they looked like an idiot on day one too. The next step is right in front of you, and you have everything you need, even if you have nothing at all to take it. You have an idea that's founded on a calling. Now it's time to work on your model, which is the second stage. A model is a fancy way to say how you create, deliver, and capture the value that you need to make your idea work. It's not about what you are doing. That's what you received in stage one through prayer. It's about how you're going to make it work, how you're going to bring it to life. As an illustration, the idea that we're working on at Exodus is as old as the Christian life. Prayer, asceticism, fraternity lead to a fuller life than one of distraction, indulgence, or isolation. That has not changed. That will not change. That's been modeled by our Lord Jesus Christ and expressed anew in the lives of the saints. However, we are constantly at work to improve it so that we can better serve our men and reach as many men as possible. This is year five for us at Exodus, and it's model number five. Now, this model talk may sound boring, but I cannot emphasize enough the importance of this stage for this moment in the history of the church. Because we are blessed to possess the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church, we can, un can unfortunately believe that we have our models all figured out. But this is wrong and why so many things are not working today. In the early days, I had a mentor tell me that if I wanted to get Exodus off the ground, that I should not look to the old models in the church, but should enter the secular startup community, which you can find in most major cities today. So I did. I worked out of a neat place called the Speakeasy in North Indianapolis. And there I encountered people who were taking great risks, open to constructive and even critical feedback, 
and working to improve each and every day. This left a great impression upon me, because if they would risk everything on a widget, assuredly I needed to do the same to share the freedom that the father intends for his sons. The foundational virtue for the model stage is humility. You will try and you will fail. You will start and you will stop. You will be right about some things and wrong about many more. If you are proud and you think you have it all figured out, you will break and you will not make it through this stage. As a founder, what's so important is that you keep trying and even once you begin to gain traction, to keep working to improve it for those that you serve. Model innovation does not stop. After Exodus 90 started to take off, I sat down with Jason Shanks from Our Sunday Visitor. And over a casual breakfast at Sarah's Diner in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I asked him to support five projects for many six figures. All at one time. I was dumb. (laughs) But he taught me a lesson that day that's become foundational for the work that we do at Exodus. He said that before they would support us, they wanted to fund effectiveness research studies to better understand who our men are, why they're coming to Exodus, the benefits that they receive, and the long-term impact upon their lives. Makes sense. But I was annoyed. I had my anecdotes. We were changing hearts, you see. But I had very little data to support it. The research process was scary. It was like laying this thing that you love and have risked everything for on an operating table. But it also freed me. Because if the model was working, really working, not only in growth, but in depth of impact, then I could keep up my journey through the desert to the promised land. And if it was not, I could let it go. Anecdotes though they may be, It is the testimonies of the people that you reach that will keep you going during this very difficult time. I cannot tell you how many times I almost quit and a man would reach out out of nowhere and share his testimony or lend a helping hand. And it was the daily bread that I needed to continue. Mike and Ron, Scott and Fred, Nathaniel, Ryan, Doyle, You saved the exodus. You have an idea that's founded upon a calling. You've worked on your model, and it's starting to work for you. Now it's time to build a company around it and transition from founder to CEO. At the outset, I want to acknowledge that this is the stage that I have the least experience in and the most to learn. It's the stage that I'm thinking the most about because I'm in it, and that's why my impressions are so raw. When I say a company, I don't mean this in a commercial sense, but in the sense of the term's Latin roots, companion, and that the root of companion is bread. How many of us are breaking bread with our companions in the workplace? In the early days when I was lonely, I would get online and search my favorite companies and ministries and I'd look at their big teams and I would wonder what it would be like to have that kind of help with my growing workload. 
But I had no idea how hard it would be to grow a team, to build a team, and to maintain that team. The company stage requires fortitude to ask difficult questions. Ask yourself. Ask your team. Is your work meaningful here? Do you like it? Do you like it anymore? How can I set you up to make the greatest impact upon our mission? Is the company serving your primary vocation? Or is it taking something away from your family? I cannot help but believe that we as executives in church world are often, however unintentionally, taking advantage of the very people who make our work possible, our employees. And then we justify it because of some kind of supposed limitations of the religious work that we do. How many fathers and mothers have to work full-time jobs in order to cover basic family necessities? How many mothers are asked to be back to work in two weeks or less after the most intense, miraculous event in the human experience? Do our compensation plans set people free from the soul-crushing debt of modern education and mortgages? Are we giving our employees opportunities for deep, meaningful work that grows their capacities without the incessant and mostly unnecessary meetings, notifications, and distractions? Are our companies built to last? Or will a surprise, another surprise, lead to layoffs? The social teachings of the church are calling out to us to be and do so much more for our companies, our companions. What if we were? What if we did? Why not? When God comes calling, he provides everything that you need to start Ex Nihilo. If he can work through me, my team, and shower faucets to bring freedom to his men, he can work through you to do just about anything. Thanks for listening.